You're listening to a podcast brought to you by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins, combining market sector thought leadership, advice, and ideas, helping businesses and governments prepare for the future. Welcome to this podcast series, Together We Care, a Trowers and Hamlins and Little Bird collaboration. It's a series about inclusion, social mobility, acceptance, and how businesses can better understand and play an active role in supporting people who are care experienced. Little Bird and Trowers are extremely passionate about diversity and inclusion. We want to instill confidence in our colleagues and open up opportunities for them to understand the experiences of others and for all our talent to appreciate they have access to the opportunities to achieve anything they want to in life, regardless of their background. We do hope you find our conversations with the various influencers that are making waves in this space interesting and are in some way inspired to play a part in supporting care experienced people and looking into how you and your businesses can make a positive impact. Thank you. Hi, welcome to this next edition of Together We Care with myself, Vitunde Dania, and my fellow host, Alison Delaney. Um, just reflecting upon our last session with Carol Akatua, who is a foster carer, um, and I very much hope that having listened to that, you glean some more information about the experience of being a foster carer and also from some of the things that I said about my experience of being in foster care. Um, Fostering is a very, very rewarding experience from what I can understand from, you know, Carol's experiences. Um, Obviously, you know, everything's not perfect, but I think what Carol was saying is that the overall experience that she's had today has been a very positive one. So we are now at the fourth episode of our sixth series of podcasts. Um, And today we will be talking about the subject of adoption. So Alison, I'm going to hand over to you. Thanks, Yutunde. And today's episode is an episode that's really close to my heart for obvious reasons. If you listen to episode one, you'll have heard my story, knowing that I was initially fostered at three weeks, but then adopted at three months old to a white family in the 70s, which raised all sorts of diverse challenges. So I'm really excited that we're going to be exploring adoption in more detail and in current day, because obviously my adoption took place in the 70s, which is an age ago. So a much more current reflection on adoption nowadays. And I'm thrilled to be able to introduce you to our guest today, who's going to be sharing his journey. Simon. Hi, Simon. How are you? Hi, Alison. Good, thank you. Thanks for having me both. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. And like I said, we're so thrilled to have you. Simon, can I start with the obvious question, which is when and why did you decide to adopt? Well, that is a little bit of a complicated answer in that um, my wife and I uh, considered adoption uh, quite early on in our relationship um, in that I think we were quite aware um, of the need for adopters in the UK um, and were aware that that was something that we were open to. as I say, quite early on in our in our in our marriage, and we can remember instances where we uh, sought to find out about adoption or engage with adopters, um, perhaps several years before we were thinking about starting a family. Um, so it was certainly something that was on our agenda um, 
quite early, early on in our relationship. But the honest and straight answer to the question around when we decided that we would like to pursue adoption um, was uh, was after we had experienced infertility and discovered that we were not going to be able to conceive children naturally and indeed had uh, attempted to have uh, IVF treatment um, and had that had found that that was unsuccessful. So we decided at that point to close the door on the process of IVF and our um uh, our mindset of starting a family in that way uh, and having done that we then turned to seriously consider adoption and after a period of I guess reflecting on that considering the uh all the all the issues around adoption uh we decided to to proceed along that path yeah i i think that's really interesting um what i love about your answer is that you considered it as an option very early on um, we've all heard the statistics of the number of children um, that are waiting to be adopted. And I'm, I think it's really great that there are people out there like yourself, Simon, that, you know, enter into a relationship and think, yeah, I, you know, I, let's consider adoption. Um, but one of the things I'm really interested to know is, and certainly when I've had conversations about adoption, um, we had a conversation and it, it just sounded so complicated that it that it almost you know it to a degree it put us off in terms of the number of people that local authorities will speak to it's almost like if you're able to become a parent naturally anybody can do that but if you want to adopt then it's quite fun actually <laughs> then if you want to adopt you've almost got to go hurdle and hurdle plus um so what was that process like for you? Yeah, I would definitely say it wasn't as fun as perhaps the own natural way. Um, and you're right to recognise that there's a great deal of complexity and a word that um, I think is a good summary of the process is, is that it's a very intrusive process. I mean, having been through IVF as well, which is a very intrusive process that was perhaps like a warm-up but um it, yeah it's it's intrusive it's uh it's can be quite exhausting it, in a way it makes you feel like you're under suspicion that, that whilst most people express sentiments as you did yesterday um you know that that adoption is a great thing for people to be doing and um it, it almost feels like you're being treated as being under suspicion uh, and uh, almost like what are these creepy people who want to take other people's children um, and, I, and I think that that is definitely something we need to recognize in the process of course you do need to take a step away from the feelings of the adopter being feeling like it's an intrusive process and recognize what, what's going on and recognize that we're involved in a situation where the state is lawfully taking children from one person and these days Alison you've referred to sort of historic adoption and, and bringing it up to date I mean these days it's almost all exclusively situations where the state has acted to forcibly remove children from their birth parents um, and then the state is looking to select new people to give these children to we have to recognize that as a, an extraordinary thing an extraordinary intervention a stra extraordinary exercise of powers by the state so i think we would all agree that that needs to be done with extreme care 
and recognize the diligence and the responsibility that the state has in that situation. That doesn't take away from the fact that for the experience of the adopters, it, it is a daunting experience. It is a, a bureaucratic experience. It is an intrusive experience. It is a, an invasive experience. Um, uh, and it is something that is not to be taken lightly, I suppose. <laughs> Absolutely. And I can relate to so much that you're talking about here, Simon, um, on more levels than you probably know and, and that our listeners will know. So my first child is and my only child is a fertility child. So I, too, went through fertility and understand that process very clearly. And as you said, how it makes you feel um, in relation to just a, a very different way of going through a process that is very natural for many people. But coming back to the adoption, obviously you have been successful and congratulations in that. What experience have you found being a parent of adopted children? Well, there have been many experiences. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I suppose uh, the the experiences of being an adopter, obviously like any parent start before the child arrives and um you know the experience of the process of adoption uh the 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 kind of uh selection process if you like the training that you receive the filtering the screening perhaps is a better way of putting it uh the investigation that, that is undertaken that once you're then kind of approved as an adopter you go through um a, a legal process uh, um after well a ma- there's like a matching process which i guess might be a little bit like a sort of dating scenario you're matched then with with uh, a child or children and then after that match has been made there is a, a lengthy legal process which is includes a process prior to placement which is when the child comes to live with the adoptive parents and then a legal process that is ongoing during placement until the child the adoption order is made and the child is then legally adopted and the placement the sort of interim period has effectively come to an end and then of course the experiences of parenting all the way through we've now been adopted parents for over what is it now 12 13 years um so in that time we've we've experienced uh sort of um kind of the experience of parents from having children of age 11 months which was the youngest our our youngest was 11 months when he was placed with us uh, to having uh, a a child who's nearly 16 years of age now Um, the experiences in that have been uh, I suppose in some way similar to any parent as a child goes through different stages of their life uh, and challenges and and joys associated with that I'll probably pick out some particular points which I think are perhaps heightened experiences for adoptive parents. So we've had to um, engage with uh, the uh, situation of contact with birth family. Uh, That has included um, a kind of very kind of arm's length and indirect contact with birth parents. Um, But it has also included face-to-face contact with some birth siblings. So that was a very unusual experience. Um, again, quite a common process or common thing to experience as adopters because there's such a great deal of uncertainty with adopted children and their early life experiences um, in that we've experienced um, particular issues with uh, our children 
uh, one one now is a claiming disability living allowance so um ha- has a particular disability um or, or has a particular condition which given the severity counts as disability and another of our children has the same condition in manifests in a different way so uh, for her it doesn't count as disability but we've obviously had the experience of being parents of, uh, of a disabled child and, and, and children who've got particular issues which have involved uh, medical care and medical treatment and and things like that um, we've also experienced um, some issues around behavior including engagement with school and other other uh, contexts where there's been challenging behaviors um, and that uh, that has been um, again. I know that's not unique to adopted parents uh, and adopted children, but um, I guess there has been potential early life trauma experience for our children, which has had implications on perhaps the way they engage, in particularly in relationships and and behave. Um, and so those there, there have been experiences around that. Um, obviously, we've also had experiences that you know pleasant experiences that. Um, any family will enjoy the family holidays the you know the things that that mums and dads love getting their kids involved with like my daughter really loves playing netball that's a passion of my my wife's you know um cooking together do you know all those kind of experiences i suppose one interesting thing that maybe contrasts with your experience Alison, is for the benefit of our listeners i'm i'm a white person my wife is a white person we've adopted three children who are also white um, and the matching of those children was deliberate to allow them to be regarded in our family as as naturally in there i know it's a superficial thing but we have had uh, i've had people for example compliment me on the fact that my little boy is so cute and then say he looks just like his dad and uh, and yutunde may have been one of those people um and and i took that compliment but obviously <laughs> no biology in that um and i think that that has meant that our children whilst the fact that our our children are adopted is no secret and has never been um, and is not something that we treat as a secret or something that's to be shamed and concealed. Um, It has also meant that that disclosure has always been our choice and um, it has meant that we haven't had that issue that is always going to be the question around why is this family together? You know, we as a family, you know, look on the outside at least like a normal family in fact we've got that in our kitchen it says on the outside at least you know something like as far as anyone knows we're just a normal family (laughs) um and uh and and that in a way has been a a positive experience so i just got um one follow-up question um and that's around the times which have been challenging and you talked about the state and I'm just wondering, and I'm sure our listeners would be interested here, in terms of what support do you get as an adopter from the state? Is it a case of the state places the children or child and then you go through that legal process, the adoption happens and, you know, there you go, that's, that's your child, therefore... The things that you talked about, the trauma, um, how are you supported through that? Well, so 
I'm not exactly an expert on this, but from our, in our experience, um, I think that if adoptive families can receive a support package um, and that would usually be connected with um, the perception of their needs around the children that they're adopting. So when, for example, when we adopted our children, we had them in two batches. We had two together to start with and then a, and a second one. And when we adopted, there were no particular issues associated with the children. So, for example, the one that I've mentioned with a disability, that's something that has merged later on. Um, so there were no particular issues. So there was no support package around particular issues associated with the children. That's the first thing. And then the second thing was that we were assessed to be a family of means. Um, you know, when we first adopted our, our, the first two children, you know, we were both professionals. We owned our own home already. We had no um, uh, birth children. Um, I mean, we had a cat, but that was, our dependents were limited. It, it, we were regarded as being of sufficient means to not require any financial support or anything like that. So in our case, we were not particularly provided with a kind of a package of support it contrasts markedly to the situation with foster carers and that's because legally um, there is a great distinction made between foster carers where the parental responsibility is is not vested in or is shared i'm not exactly sure whereas in the situation with adoption is that legally the child becomes no different from a birth child of the adopted parents there is a great distinction legally um and that is reflected in the way of the support so we we have access support um but that was subsequent considerably subsequent to the placement and the adoption and it was provided by our local authority and local um, authority social workers rather than the placing authority they were different in our case um and it has been quite difficult really um the support that we have received has been um even though we have received significant support it it is quite limited um and that has been a challenge and has and sometimes the support has not necessarily helped us it's actually in some ways made matters worse uh and the kind of interventions around various things have sometimes not not been uh the the support that we might have hoped for um and that difference you know we have friends who are foster carers dealing with children with challenging needs and so in that situation the strange thing is is that what our experience of looking after children with challenging needs is not very different from the experience of foster carers looking after children with challenging challenging needs but because of that legal distinction the support is extremely diff there's a huge distinction in the support so my opinion is is that there is an in inadequate support around adoption and adopters um i don't necessarily think it should be the same as for foster carers because there is there is a different nature of experience in that a foster carer is effectively it's their it's their vocation they're being paid by the state to do that it's different from adoption but that but they may be dealing with the similar issues that adopters are dealing with but adopters just have no form of support we had to fight quite hard to get support um and as i say it wasn't always brilliant funnily enough when we applied for uh, disability living allowance for our child with the with the severe 
the condition we were amazed that we received it immediately um and you know a fairly generous award was given for to support his care um and actually that was quite strangely contrasting with the experience that we had had previously with accessing support thanks simon that's really useful um what advice would you give any of our listeners who were considering uh, becoming um, adopters? Um, yeah, so obviously I would firstly want to encourage people to consider being adopters. Um, Yutunde, you mentioned it earlier and I mentioned it earlier around the need that there is in the UK for adopters. Um, and the, the that need is great. Um, and Again, I don't have up-to-date stats, but my understanding is that outcomes for children who are adopted are typically better than for those that for whom adoption was wanted as an option, but it could they could not be found, and instead a foster solution was um, was found uh, effectively because they couldn't be placed as with adopters. Um, so the need is great, and on a statistical basis, the outcomes for children and families for adoption is positive. Um, there's a desperate need for adopters from ethnic minorities and from mixed ethnicity families. Um, so whatever your ethnicity, uh, whatever your partner's ethnicity, if you have one, that's, uh, you know, that's something to consider the, the need and the, even the heightened need with, with, um, with ethnic minority children. Um, so I would definitely can ask people to consider it. So, then my next piece of advice, in fact, recently somebody asked me about this, and this is what I said, is that I would say you must not, dis- you heard my story earlier, but you must not see adoption as being on a continuum from, right, well, we'll try to see if we can have children naturally, then we will have fertility treatment. If all else fails, we will adopt. You mustn't see it as a, a continuum from kind of optimum to, you know, backup plan see or whatever as this is the way that we will get our family it's a completely different proposition from having a child biologically whether that's au natural or with assistance of medical intervention it's a completely different proposition so i would always say to people who are in the situation you know maybe who are experiencing infertility or going through infertility treatment that whilst adoption should be considered and not just by people who are experiencing infertility it you you gotta you gotta do it separately from that process so in other words when that process with with um, natural conception or IVF comes to an end you have to let that go and grieve and stop not seeing adoption as being the next step like as if you've got like a solutions orientated mentality and like right next solution because it's not the same it's a different proposition on i think that's something to be really clear about i think the next thing that i would that i would reflect on is we've adopted three children um that's quite a lot um and sibling adoption is really is really advocated for all our children are related at least in some part um uh, biologically um, but I would also invite people to recognize the challenges around adoption and um, you know you have to be realistic about the process you have to be realistic about the unknowns that you might experience the traumas of the children the traumas of the adopters um, and so it's something that 
that I would probably urge caution with in terms of I would encourage people to think about it. I'd, we want we need more people to do it, um, but also it's not like there was a we had a bit of naivety about us like we were at one point there was a little bit of a thinking around we just stick some more pasta in the bowl sort of thing and I recognize there was some naivety in our approach and um, I think it's important to recognize that it's 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 very as I said it's very different I'm not saying that everything a doctor experiences is completely unique and that people who've had children biologically could never relate I'm not saying that what I'm saying is, is that it's a, it's a very challenging situation. And, you know, if you think, oh, I could definitely have three children, well, you might not be able to have three adopted children. And perhaps I'll just leave it like that for now. That's so insightful and helpful. And obviously the whole point of this podcast is for people to be informed and to hear from real life experiences. And of course, there's lots of different ways you can find information. But from our perspective, it was very much about hearing from people with lived experiences. And you've been so open and honest, Simon. We're so appreciative of you sharing your story. And I'm sure our listeners will be taking numerous points from everything you've said in relation to absolutely that responsibility that we carry in in making sure we're informed in this route to uh, adopting children, but equally recognising the, the, the joy that it brings and the difference that you can make whilst being an adopter. And certainly as an adopted child and, and now adult, I see my my mum as a superhero. I really do. And, and I have nothing but admiration for people who adopt because I know what it takes to do that. And I know what it takes to create an environment where an adopted person can thrive. So our thanks go out to you tremendously, Simon, in, in sharing your story and also in making the difference in the way that you have and will continue to your adopted children. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I can only echo what Alison has said. Thank you, Simon. Um, so that draws to a close our fourth episode. And as we look forward to our next episode, um, during when we're talking with um, our guests from the Care Leavers Covenant, who will be sharing more about the Care Leavers Covenant and in particular, the way in which businesses can get involved with providing jobs and support to care leavers uh, to also assist them to live independently and to thrive. So thank you. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at trowers.com and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.